Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Pumped for today's interview. Also pumped to let you know that today's sponsor is one that I'm super familiar with as I personally worked with them as we've partnered over these years to launch over a dozen campuses. Also, I'm quick to refer them to other churches who are doing the same. In fact, the thing I love about when I refer people is they take care of them, and I hear all the time from people who have used this company, man, I'm so glad we went with them. My friends over at Portable Church Industries, they sell uh, entire audiovisual lighting, kids, community storage systems, and help churches like yours who are wanting to meet in rented facilities. What they truly provide is a customized, crafted approach Approach to portability that increases uh, increases increases guest engagement, volunteer retention, and a system that makes it easy for you to keep launching, multiplying multiple church campuses long term. Listen, I want you to reach out to them if you're thinking about going portable in the next year. Go to our, our special partner page, portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary, to learn and find lots of free resources. They're tailored for portable multi-site campuses. That's portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary. All right, friends, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in today. Uh, Super excited for today's conversation. Uh, I love highlighting church leaders, you'll know this if you've been listening for a while, who who are leading in places that frankly churches don't grow or prevail. And it is hard pressed to find a part of the country uh, that is better described than by today's uh, leader. Super excited to have uh, Josh Gagnon on, on the line today. He's from a church called Next Level Church in New England. They have eight or nine or 12 or 100 campuses. I have lost track of how many. Uh, Josh leads one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And again, in New England, a part of the world, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, where just people don't go to church. And so, uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rich. Happy to be here. Yeah, so excited for this. Why don't we start with kind of you telling us a little bit about the church? Give us a sense of kind of a bit of that story uh, as we kick off. Yeah, like you said, we're in New England, the least church region of the country. It was uh, pretty much an accident starting Next Level Church, if I'm just being honest. It really was. I didn't go to Bible school the way that most do, uh, traditional Bible school. I uh, played basketball in college, so that was my focus. And uh, when I got through with college, my mom said, hey, come to church with me. I hadn't been in years. And so I went to church with her and um, mm. met a girl and uh, started running the soundboard and cleaning the church and taking Bible courses online because um, just falling in love with Jesus in a whole new way. And and uh, someone said, would you think about leading a small group? And I was like, yeah, I never, I've never talked in public about Jesus before in my life, but I can mm. do that. And so started a small group. Next thing you know, um, they asked, maybe we should start a church. <laughs> and uh, oh, I, I had thought to myself, like, I thought churches just always existed. Like they actually started somewhere, you know what I mean? Like it didn't even, <laughs> right. in, in New England, I'd never seen a church bigger than 200 people. And you've been in that area. It's like, I, you just, you almost think they always existed. And uh, so I said, sure, we'll start a church, I guess. And uh, next thing you know, we're renting out uh, facilities and hiring staff and God's been super faithful and um, never, never read a church planting book. I, I did it all the wrong way. And uh and God was gracious enough to get us to where we are today. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's our broken story. 
No, that's amazing. Now, I, you're a humble guy, and I know you don't want to – it's not just about the numbers, but can you give us a sense of the scale of kind of, um, you know, the number of campuses, people attending, that that sort of thing? Give, and give us a bit of a flavor, you know, kind of the, the, maybe the type of people you're reaching when you think about like, oh, here's the kind of typical next leveler, you know, when they, uh, when yeah. they kind of you – know, reach, reach, that you're reaching. Yeah, the typical t- typical next leveler comes up to me and cusses at, at me after a good message. So, yeah, it's, like, it's like if I if I, if I if I get done on the weekend and I get a good cuss word in there explaining the message, I feel like I've I've, I've hit the I've hit the mark. But um, uh, yeah, we have we have ten locations, so we have locations throughout New England, um, and then we also have a location in in Florida outside of Tampa, and uh, we're we're building that location and getting ready to launch a second location there, and so. Um, we've been, we're excited to look at that entire East coast. I think learning how to do church in new England gives us an advantage to go other places because the reality is, let's face it, it's not just new England that's struggling with church growth and, and new England, sure. It's the least church region right now, but that's just, that's moving throughout the country. And so Absolutely. I do, I do think God's given us favor to, to be able to learn in new England and be able to go to other, other, other environments and, and do church there. Um, so yeah, 10 locations, um, in uh, nine permanent facilities, um, mm. anywhere from four or 5,000 on a weekend. We had 9,000 this past Easter. And so, um, it's been, uh, it's been pretty fun. We started in 2008. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I, and I would just underline that for folks that are listening in. I, the part of the reason why I want to both why I've served and then also want to highlight leaders from, you know, places like new England is uh, they're really just where your community is going to be. If you're listening in today and you're not in new England, the reality of it is, uh, you know, the, statistically speaking, your your community is becoming as unchurched as New England. And so I think a leader like Josh, we can really learn from. And, you know, we should be leaning in and saying, hey, what what can we apply to our, uh, you know, to our story today? And I think it makes total sense that you're looking to plant campuses outside of New England uh, because of that reason. There's all kinds of unchurched folks. Now, uh, normally, if folks that are listening in would know, I'm not the kind of guy, I don't really like the show to be the like, hey, we're here selling a book, uh, you know, all the time. But actually, this Josh is one of those leaders that I make an exception for. So I know Josh has got a book that's out, and I want to make sure that you uh, that you hear about this. And so I want you to lean in and learn. Josh, you uh, have a new book out. It's called It's Not Over, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again. I'd love to hear why. You know, Why would you as a pastor, you've got a lot going on. What's the inspiration here? Why would you uh, say, oh, you know what I want to do is take some time to kind of write this, this down? What was it? What's kind of the impetus behind this book? Yeah, I think, I think as a pastor— you know, we come into relationships with so many people that are that are that are living life based on yesterday's disappointments, and I think that's even true for for leaders, Rich. I think that even the listening audience that you're so wonderful at reaching and and, and influencing. I think even as leaders, we so often allow yesterday to determine our tomorrow. And I started Next Level mm-hmm. Church with huge dreams, right? And mm-hmm. I've even noticed I've even noticed that my dreams have shrunk over the years based on what we've seen in the past. And mm-hmm. and 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 I think that happens to us as leaders. It's it's one yeah, week totally. one week you're praying for God to do this. And then the next Easter you're praying for this. Maybe the next Easter you're praying for this. We'll use Easter as an example. And then you get five Easters in and you're a leader and you've been praying for God to move and it hasn't happened. And and then you start seeing your prayers shrink. You start realizing mm-hmm. that you're just praying skeletons of what you used to really believe God for. And for me, this book was born out of this reality that I don't want to be a leader and I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a follower of Jesus that just limps by 
into my future based off the injuries of yesterday. And so this idea of leaving behind discouragement, learning to dream again, it's not just dreaming to go start up a new business, although that's great. And we talk about that in the book, but the dreams about overcoming insecurity. I don't know about you, Rich, but I'll look at Instagram and I feel like the matter of fact, I had to start Instagram. I just, I just picked it up because my publisher made me, um, but I never would start it because I didn't want to get in there <laughs> right. because what happens to me is right. I compare myself to everybody else. And I feel like I'm nothing. And so this dream mm. in my heart to overcome insecurity, mm. you know, for me is a dream. And so dreams don't only have to be those huge things we're chasing on the outside, but they can also be these dreams of finding forgiveness, finding security, finding our own identity mm. in Christ. And mm. so, yeah, that's my passion behind this book is that we'll get to the point where as leaders, we can uh, believe that tomorrow can be greater than yesterday. Yeah, it's fantastic. I know I had a, a leader early on um, who was a few generations older than me, but was probably the big, had the biggest kind of faith bucket that I've ever seen. You know, he, he really did believe, you know, God could do anything. And I remember him once saying to me, he said, you know, uh, like, we've got to believe that God wants to do something amazing. And this happened to be in a church context. You've got to believe that God wants to do something amazing here. Cause I, and he said this, he said, cause what I do know is if we don't believe that, then it won't happen. And so mm. it's not guaranteeing that, yeah, something great's going to happen. But if we have a small faith, uh, if we just, you know, have a reductionist view of what God can do, uh, that will reduce ultimately where we end up. Why do you think so many people, uh, their dreams do kind of wither over time? There's that kind of, you know, you you hit middle age or you do this, you get a few more, you know, laps on the track and, and you seem to run into these. And I run into these people all the time and it bugs me who it's like, you know, it's, they're just putting in time. They're just like, they've, they've kind of lost that. Hey, what is the dream that's driving them? Why do you think that happens? Yeah, I think disappointment and discouragement, right? I looked up the definition while writing this book of those words and you find, you find the word expectation inside of those definitions. And I think when, when you expect God to do something, when you're living with a great expectation and it doesn't happen, man, sometimes that creates what the Bible will call this, this, this heart sickness. Proverbs talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right. And, mm-hmm. and as leaders, how often do we live with hope? Right. We live with hope mm-hmm. and we have expectation of God to move. And we're, it, we hit middle age and we're, we're, we're trusting for God to move. And yet we get to a point where like, man, this hope that's been deferred is making my heart sick. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. the Proverbs, Proverbs speaks to that. You know, when I was writing this book the first time, Rich, I, uh, I had an agent reach out to me and he was like, Hey, listen, you're pastoring a growing church and God's doing great things. My name's so and so. And I'd love for you. Have you thought about writing a book? And I was thinking, yeah, man, like in my belly, I'd always wanted to write a book. I thought mm, that would be a great mm-hmm. way to get the message. I mean, we're always creating content, right? What, with what we do. So why not put it out there for my kids to someday read? And and I mm. said, sure. So he says, all right, let me go out there and, and, and put together a proposal, do everything, and I'll shop it. You know, I said, okay, awesome. He said, we'll definitely get a book deal, blah, blah, blah. Well, one, one day after the next, I'm getting word back from him that's saying, listen, everything's drying up. People are saying that that Christian audience in New England is the smallest in the nation and no publisher wants to take a risk on it. And so finally he gets back to me. He says, I got my final no. He said, nobody wants it. I got in the shower that mm. day man, and I, I started crying like a baby. And it, it wasn't oh, just because wow. of the book deal. It was because I mm-hmm. felt like I had this heart to do this and a call to do this. And I felt like God opened the door and yet now he slammed it. It felt like in my face. And so, you know, those are those moments where it's that I had expectation, I had hope. And as leaders, we know that feeling. And then all of a sudden we look around, we're like, what in the world, God? Like what is happening? So I'm on the shower crying. I didn't even tell Jennifer, my wife, because I, I didn't want to face that feeling of failure and rejection. And, and a year later, another agent reaches out to me and says, Hey, you pastor a big church. You want to write a book? And, <laughs> and it took me a year to get back to that email. 
and say wow. yes because I didn't uh-huh. want to face rejection again. And finally, when I wrote back, uh, we got six wonderful offers for this book. And and I, I want to say this to, to those that are listening, you know, in those moments of, of expectations, when you feel like they haven't measured up and you feel this discouragement, that hope deferred, making your heart sick. One of the things to, to, to remember is, is often God's doing more in you than he's doing through you. So that eventually he can do more through you than you could ever imagine. And in the book that I wrote, the book that we're looking at, it's not over, man, this book is 10 times the book it ever would have been had God allowed me to write it three years ago. And I had to go through that storm. It's like David, right? In the, in the field, tending sheep. He he had to sit in the field before he could go to the battlefield and be and defeat Goliath. But the field he sat in with sheep was what Mm. prepared him for what God had already prepared for him. And so as a leader, I would say we often live in discouragement based on the expectations that we had in the past that God doesn't seem like God's come through in. And um, this book is all about pointing leaders and and, and followers of Christ to this reality that, listen, we have to overcome that disappointment. We have to dream that God's still in control. Mm -hmm. Let's pull that apart a little bit. So I, I feel like as a leader... Um, we're constantly faced with disappointment. Like there, that's like, that's yeah. our bedfellow, right? Everywhere we look, we're yeah. like, this just is not, you know, our, by definition, a leader, I always say it by definition, a leader is someone who is trying to take people to a more desired future, which means that uh, we, we see today as somehow less than what, where we should be going. And so it means everywhere we look, we just see, man, that's not really working. That's not really working. That's not really working over time. Actually, the thing that God can use, I think to push us forward could actually be, something that pushes us down. What, how are you helping people wrestle through kind of what they do when they see disappointment all around them? How do you overcome that? Uh, Let's pull that apart a little more. Yeah. I think for, for me, I think I look at, I look at um, a Lego box and I I love this illustration. And, And for me, this is how I overcome disappointment, which by the way, you're absolutely right. You know, I face it on a regular basis. People look at Next Level Church and like, oh, wow, 10 locations and life must be wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, if you want the bills that come with that and the giving in the giving that we have on certain weekends to match it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. You know, we still face mm-hmm. discouragement. And and so one of the things that, that I talk about in the book and one of the things that I find encouragement in and believe it or not, is as a Lego box, my kids, they love Legos and and um my, my boys asked me to buy them this Lego set at, at, at a Lego store and it, it was 4,124 pieces. And I was like, mm. man, I don't think you guys can accomplish that. You know, this encouraging father. <laughs> and, uh, I, I bought it for him. You know, I bought him the Lego set. Now on the outside of a Lego box, if everybody wants to picture just that grand picture, that completed picture of the Lego set, this roller coaster that they wanted is what it was. And it looks so awesome on the outside of the Lego box. Well, we get home and we open up the box, right? We dump out 4,124 pieces on a table. And there's all these pieces scattered around the table. And all of a sudden, the outside of the box doesn't look so good because you're recognizing what it's going to take in order to fulfill that dream. And, and so for me, when it comes to, 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 to the, the dreams that God's given in my heart, for instance, it could be next level. It could be writing this book, finishing strong, being a father of integrity, a husband of integrity, uh, overcoming insecurity, all these little dreams that God puts in our hearts. We see them like the outside of a Lego box, right? We see mm. that dream. We see that picture. We can feel it. We can see it. We can almost touch it. Mm-hmm. And then God hands us 4,124 pieces. And he says, if you're faithful, if you trust me, if you are willing to, 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 to gain endurance, if you're willing to do these things, you'll see that dream. And so the only way for me that I've learned to overcome disappointment and discouragement is just to faithfully pick up that next piece 
and continue building, continue building that Lego set, continue building. And sometimes I've got to take it apart and I got to start over again and, and fix a few things I've messed up. There's, 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 there's grace in the kingdom of God. However, the way to overcome disappointment is to remember this, that, that if God gave you a dream in your heart that you could accomplish in a, in, in a year or two years, it would be too small. The dream that God's placed in our heart is a lifetime dream. And so for me, it's recognizing, Josh, you're so, so good at expecting so much in the immediate, but man, are you bad at understanding that lifetime dreams and great things often come through a life that's focused on the ultimate of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. That's so good, man. I love that. And I, you know, hopefully that's encouragement for somebody that's listening in today and, and, you know, maybe is letting a dream die or has seen that, uh, you know, happen in their life. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about our role as leaders. So we, um, you know, we may be inspired. We may have a clear picture of where God's taking us. Uh, how do we lead in such a way? Because you've obviously had to do this in your current context. How do we lead in such a way that people will, um, you know, kind of catch the dream, stay plugged into the dream, uh, and not let it, it it die off or extinguish? Yeah, one of the things that we we've done next several several times that would be a decent uh, exercise for for the listeners is 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 we give everybody a blank piece of paper. And we give, uh, when I say everybody, our entire staff. And when they sit down and, and we give them crayons, <laughs> it's coloring time, next level church, right? But we, <laughs> we give them crayons and, and, and I'll stand up and I'll, I'll explain a picture. Um, it could be a farm, right? I'll explain a farm and I'll tell them um, the farm looks like this and it's got this, you know, this type of roof and this many cows mm. and this many. And I just, I basically build a picture, right? And they're responsible for coloring that picture. And then I'll get up and I'll say, okay, here's the next picture I want you to, to do. And I'll give them another piece of paper blank. And I'll just say, um, go ahead and, and, and build, me, build me a farm. Just draw me a farm. And they'll draw it out. And I'll show them the difference between, I'll show them the, difference between the two pictures. When we look at the picture where all I said was draw me a farm, everybody has a different, different, different picture. Everybody, everybody drew something completely different. But when we look at the picture of the farm that I explained detail by detail, draw the house in the bottom right-hand corner of the piece of paper, put four clouds up mm. above that house, put the sun on the left corner. <laughs> when I explain right every detail, what happens is, is everybody has a little bit of a different take on it, of course. But that picture that everybody has with the one as a leader I explained, well, that looks unison. And so as leaders, as leaders, we have to understand those who are leading have only been given paintbrushes. They haven't been given the vision or necessarily they haven't been given the voice. And so for us as leaders, leading teams, leading people, no matter what level it's at, whoever you're leading, you're responsible for carrying the vision and explaining the vision in detail. And even more importantly than vision, Rich, and you know this, um, the church and organizations got so hot on vision, right? Vision, vision, vision statement, vision statement, cast big vision. And I, I was always kind of butting my head against that. Because because I love vision, but at the end of the day, if you don't have a culture that can support your vision, your vision is pointless. And so mm. I talk about culture, culture, culture. With that being said, every leader listening has to remember those they're leading have been handed paintbrushes and plain pieces of paper. It's our job as leaders to explain the dream to them so that we mm. can all head the same direction. That's good. Uh, let's talk about that culture piece. What are you doing, uh, you know, at next level to ensure that people are catching clearly this idea of what God's called your church to? Yeah, we just take a lot of naps. 
And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, as far as as far as explaining culture, man, we're we're we we have just values. Um, and um, you know, how do you even really culture? You can't really touch it, right? You can't really taste it. Although it's just there, it's just who you are. And so, you know, when someone comes on the team, we're bringing them through certain books, and we we give everybody these essays to answer. Now I know everybody cringes at the word essay, but we'll say things like. Um, if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I just saw, I'm going to give you an example. I just saw somebody last night out at a bar drunk and hanging off a, t- off, off, off a chair. And then I saw them this morning playing the, on the band. Um, do you, what do you, you guys allow that? And so what we'll do is we'll ask these testy questions to all of our staff mm. who are coming on and we see how they answer that question. Now, mm. there's not a pass or fail. When they come with their answers to their supervisor, it's not like you got this wrong. What there is in that moment is an explanation of what we believe in the house. And we ask them mm-hmm. if they're willing to come along with that journey. So um, we would say, well, that person is allowed to play on the band for here at Next Level Church, you know, so on and so forth. And then not that everybody has to agree with that, but that's our take on it, right? And so we're giving cultural questions and making sure we're all speaking the same language. Uh, we're making sure that we're putting people who enforce culture in every single arena. So we have a location in Florida uh, right now. And so we sent um, one of our executive team members down there to be a culture carrier. And, and so we're, we're very strict on culture. We, we make sure that when we hear little things that people say and it's out of line, for instance, one of our things on culture is we begin with yes. And so if someone's in a meeting and says, I don't think we have the finances or I don't, we would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, we start with yes. The other thing is, is we never bring problems. We bring solutions. So the moment someone mm-hmm. sits down and gives a problem without a solution, everybody on the team would say, whoa, 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 whoa. It just it feels almost like the fingernails on chalkboard because we <laughs> created this culture that doesn't allow that, right? We, we And so I would just say a certain uh, set of values, a certain um, set of expectations, and, and, and a bunch of people who understand that culture is how we're going to continue to stay unified in completing the vision that we have set before us. Very cool. You know, when I when I was checking this book out, uh, the thing that really struck me is that this I think could be a great book for like leadership teams or like a small group or even like all your volunteers at a church. Um, it, it was. Did you have that in mind when you were writing it? I'm trying to think who you were kind of thinking about as you were pulling this book together. Yeah, I mean, as a leader yourself, Rich, you know everything we everything we do really comes through the lens of leadership, right? And so. So, you know, it was easy for me to write this book for leaders, um, mm-hmm. but I also wrote it for the mom, you know, at home uh, feeling like a failure, or the dad at home who's lost his, his job feeling like a failure. And so it was this tension where it's easy to do, it's easy to be who you are. I always tell our leaders that, you know, another thing, you know, talking about leadership, which I know you love and you're, 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 you're a wonderful leader yourself. Um, you know, I talk to, to our team all the time and I'll say, um, hey guys, like, with that culture idea, we're all, we're all uh, believe in a certain thing and we, we, we wear similar things and we think certain things as a staff and I'll teach our team. Like we think like circles, that's just what we Mm -hmm. think like. And so Mm -hmm. to reach circles in our, in our, in our culture, to reach circles in our cities is going to be easy, but what about Mm -hmm. reaching all the triangles around us? Mm -hmm. And so I talk about how, listen, make sure great leaders, great leaders understand reaching who I am is easy. But reaching who I am is limited and reaching who I'm not is difficult, but reaching who I'm not is valuable if we're ever going to grow this into something bigger than who we are. And so mm, we, we talk good. really hard about thinking like those that we're not. I would say that same thing with this book. So it was easy for me to think as a leader. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, I think this book is definitely for leaders. Uh, Church Source, uh, I guess mm-hmm. that's a thing out there. You ever heard of it? 
Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, this is what people tell me. <laughs> it's church, <laughs> church source, I guess. You know, we have the whole entire series and the whole the whole entire mm-hmm. small group curriculum for this book mm-hmm. because that was definitely a, a desire in my heart was to to reach out to, to leaders and and um, inspire them to believe that we don't have to, once again, we don't have to live with less than what we once hoped for. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, you just captured an idea that I've said, and actually even just recently I was I – was, uh, trying to articulate this to another church. And you articulated that really clearly there, which does not surprise me. You're a great communicator. That idea that as a church, um, so as individuals, as leaders, as people, we have to uh, orient our leadership around other people. We have to figure out, okay, how do we lead people who aren't just like us? If we only lead people who are just like us, we'll only have, we'll have a very small group of people. Obviously the most extreme example of that is we would have one person, just yeah. us. Um, yeah. but, but even as a church, we have to do that as well. We have to say, hey, how do we um, how do we become adaptive to the community around us? How do we love the community around us? I, I love the way you articulated that. Yeah, and I can even dig just a hair deeper. Um, yeah. So just to give a practical example, because I, I don't want any of the listeners to be like, well, what is that really? So to give you a practical example, many of our locations are in blue-collared areas, and you would know this, you know, knowing the Northeast. And we, we can easily, and listen, I'm not putting people in better or worse categories. I'm just speaking fact. We can easily reach the contractor at Next Level Church. Mm-hmm. It's easy for us mm-hmm. because we're full of contractors and um, our staff is, is middle income, right? And so we, we, we think like that. But how do we reach the top executives in our city? Not because we want their money, although resources mm-hmm. are great, but how do, we, how do we now relate to the person who owns the largest company in our entire region? And they wear a tie because that's what they wear every single day. That's what they wear to work. And they come to church that way. Well, now we've got to remember, it's always been easier for us, for us to reach unchurched people who are middle class. It's easy for us. And that's who we are as a staff. So mm-hmm. when all these other people are coming in that are churched, in high, you know, uh, middle, uh, high high class as far as financially, and wear mm-hmm. suits. How do we connect with them? And so, what I've been teaching my t- my team is we are circles, and those could be triangles, right? They're not the common people. That's easy for us to reach. How we relate to the triangles will determine our ultimate reach. And so, that's that's kind of given just some practical understanding of that. Yeah, that's. Uh, th- I hope you were listening in there, dear listeners, because that's, uh, I think, a really key concept we have to get our heads around. I remember when I was in, obviously, we've talked a lot about church growth at Un Seminary, and when I was in school, I remember, literally, uh, the only thing I remember learning about church growth uh, was this idea they called the homogeneous unit principle, which was this idea of basically you build churches around people who are like you. And and even saying that today seems like, wow, that's like, is that like racist? Or like, is that like, you know, like it's, it seems like a crazy idea. But one of the things we, one of the problems we learned kind of as that approach just kind of lived itself out was it was like, oh, it actually is a fairly significant barrier. You get to the point where like you've kind of reached everybody who's like you and, and actually the church has to become more uh, adaptable to the community around it. I love uh, what you're saying there. Well, I want to encourage people to pick up a copy of, uh, well, so listeners that are listening and you need to pick up a copy for yourself. It's not over. Uh, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again by Josh. Uh, I'd love you to think about maybe getting a copy for your leadership team. I think this could be a great thing. 
Uh, I, and, and then even the idea of like, hey, maybe this could be a series that you could do. Um, I love that. You know, that you're, you may be looking for like a, maybe a fall campaign for your church. This could be the kind of thing that could be amazing. A magic igniting in your people, this idea of, hey, what is the dream that God's called me to? And I'm going to lean in on that. That could be, or maybe you start next year with that. That would be a killer way uh, to kind of get the year started. Um, where can people pick up a copy of the book if they want to uh, pick up a copy there, Josh? Yeah, they're selling it uh, anywhere you can buy books. I mean, maybe not at the small little bookstore down the street, but Amazon and Barnes and Noble, anywhere you can, anywhere you can buy books, they can pick up a copy there. And like you said, uh, we have uh, definitely churches that are already doing or planning to do the series, and our team made incredible. And I say this because it's our team and it's not me, but they just made some of the best video bumpers and content. We actually have a song called "It's Not Over" that. Uh, is just powerful, and so if any church wants any of the uh, any of the uh, what would you call it collateral? That's a Resources. good word. Right? Resources yeah, yeah. Uh, to yeah. do the series. To do the series, we'd be more than happy to get that into their hands, and I think it'll be blessed. Every week is outlined, so on and so forth. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. And again, I could really see that as a, you know, a real gift to uh, churches that are, are listening in today. Uh, Josh, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Is there anything else you want to share just as we wrap up? Yeah, let me share one last story, Rich, if I can, and, and this just to encourage Absolutely. the list, just to encourage the listeners uh, as my goodbye. <laughs> I, uh, this is something that, that encourages me as a leader, as a father, as a as a follower of Jesus more than anything. Um, in the midst of writing this book, and the story is in the book now, but in the midst of writing it, it wasn't going to be in here. Uh, I sat down with friends named Daniel and Catherine. Uh, Rich, you know Daniel, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and, and um, Daniel and Catherine uh, were the first hires at Next Level Church, and Catherine had gotten pregnant uh, ten years ago with their son. Uh, his name is Josiah, and uh, they knew that they had some complications. Josiah was missing a kidney. They weren't sure the, the mm. kidney he had um, was was working. Um, so when he was born, Daniel called me, and I rushed to the hospital. There were all sorts of physical complications, and and um, mm. and for the last ten years, uh, Josiah's had many many surgeries. The first year of his life, he had thirty surgeries. Spent more nights in the oh, hospital wow. than at home. Just just a real burden, real, real burden on their heart for their baby. And uh, so, anyways, ten. I was writing this book, and I sat down with them, and I asked Catherine. I said. Catherine, what's been the hardest part of the last 10 years? And she looked at me and her eyes watered up and, and she said, praying. And I looked back and I didn't expect that. And I said, she yeah. said, she said, pastor, I used to lay my hands on my belly and I'd pray for Josiah. I'd pray that God would heal him. And then when he was born and he had all these sicknesses, I prayed and I prayed for years. I've prayed. She said, now when I try praying, it just feels stale. It feels empty. It just feels disappointed. She said, the hardest part of this has been praying. And I got in the car that night with Jennifer and I put this in the book because it was so powerful. And I realized in that moment that our dream life and our prayer life, they're not two separate lanes. They're actually the same lane altogether. That the moment we stop dreaming that God can and will do the impossible, the moment we stop dreaming that our tomorrows are better than our yesterdays is the day we stop praying. Right. The reality is, is when we pray and we go out with big, bold prayers for our ministry, for our leadership, for our teams, in faith, for our family, whatever it looks like, when we're doing, when we're praying, we're basically putting out their faith in the dream that we believe God is going to come to, whether that's break an addiction or whether that's start a ministry, whatever that dream in your heart is. And, and, and for me, I realized that, that, that was, that they're one in the same. And uh, I looked at Catherine and, and, and recently I thanked her for that because it helped me understand. And she read the book and she said, uh, she said, I, I never realized that um, the importance of not allowing my damaged faith to now create a life for me where I never live with any more faith. And she said, I've been praying big, bold prayers because I know 
I do have a big, bold God, even though I haven't seen my son healed. And so just to finish off, I would say to all the listeners listening, no matter where you're leading, no matter what ministry you're in, remember, we can still pray big, bold prayers. Even when the even when the damage of the past hurts, it doesn't have to hold us back from believing our God can do the impossible. And so that's what I would leave our leave all your listeners with. And I'd also just say thanks, Rich. You're just such an inspiration. Um, you've been a huge help to our church and a huge blessing to Next Level Church, the friendship. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of yours. So thanks for the opportunity today. <laughs> Well, I, I really appreciate that, Josh. Again, I would encourage you listeners, if you're listening in, to pick up a copy. Think about maybe using this as a resource for your leadership team or a group of group of leaders at your church or maybe even doing a whole campaign. I think that would be uh, fantastic. Josh, if people want to track with you or with your church, how, how can they do that? What's the best way for them to kind of stay connected with you? Yeah, nextlevel.church is our website, and I get it all written down because Twitter is at Josh Gagnon and Instagram is Pastor Josh Gagnon. I just had to start all this for the publisher. So hey, give me some Instagram <laughs> followers. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, people. Come on. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Josh. Have a great day, man. You Thank Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>